episode six. Oh my gosh, we're on six That's episodes. Six. Cool. We're so we're so prolific. Anyway, hi, I'm Katrina. Uh, and who with me is Lance. Hi, I'm Lance. And then our guest this week is. Hi, I'm Yisong. And and we have an extra body in the room. It's very guest. exciting. Bonus guest. Bonus. It's me. It's Megan. This is, this is Megan. I'm sure I've talked about her, referred to her before. Oh yeah. Gosh, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm Lance's wife, Megan. <laughs> and Lance Megan Rex's. <laughs> Doctor Megan Rex Hall, comma PhD. Right. And she yeah. gets to be on the podcast because she's right. married to Lance, unlike Google Monkey, who has to quietly stand there and Google but is not allowed to make sounds. Who? Nick. Google Monkey. Oh. Oh, maybe it was with Steve when we. I'm pretty movies. sure I wasn't on that episode. No, that was so. Steve. Never mind. Okay. Anyway, Yisong, hi. Hi. <laughs> Tell us your life story. Uh, my life story. Well, let's see. I went to IMSA when I was 15 years old. Best decision you ever made. Best True. decision my dad ever made for me. <laughs> <laughs> and then you find people at some. Yeah. At some theater thing or another. Oh, yeah. Yep. yeah. Are you still, do you still do Do you remember Godot? when we called Winning for Godot, Winning for Godot? Do you remember that? No, because I wasn't fully in the theater fold yet. You were the one who was really calling it Winning do for Godot. That's because I, just, I didn't understand. I want to make sure that everybody can hear everybody. Because is, is the snowball, can you can I hear you? Outside yeah, that no. Screen? Look, I'm shouty. I'm shouty McShouty. Okay, all right. I Look at my volume waves. Okay, it's a big wave. Sorry, Big waves. Well, I don't Sorry. know why you doubt. It's not like Steve Pet is sitting here. I just wanted to make sure that everybody could hear the brilliance of Katrina Herman past that screen, which is in front of you in the microphone. I make larger sound waves than you do, Vance. Is that a challenge? All right. Oh, no, that was a good one. Good job. Good high five. Good high five. Anyway, back to your life story. Wait, so Yisong was also class of 2001. I just want to put that out there. Yep. We're very biased here at Ethical Rioting. We only interview people of the class of 2001. Well, we're starting, you know, starting in our immediate circle, and we'll, we'll work out. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll get a class of 1998 or... I'm planning to get Corey, who is class of 2000. Well, that's good. Yeah. Well, there we're getting one year away already. That's where, it's a very yeah. first crowd. That's good. Should I give shout-outs to any of the people I knew? But I don't remember what yeah, class they were from. Yeah, please. I know some other street art of people. What? They're Sarah Grothin, Arvin Bamasami, and Steve Wakeman. So if you ever hear this, hello. We're going to have to reach <laughs> out to them. A nice street hello to all of you. <laughs> to reach out to them and be like, so you should subscribe to this podcast because we totally give you a shout-out. We did. And I'll give you a hint. It's in the first six episodes. We should tell them. So. Right, within the first three minutes. Of one of the first six episodes. Yeah. So they only have to listen to 18 minutes. Yeah. As opposed to... The, well, no, we shouldn't tell them that. Well, we already have. It's too late. I forgot we don't edit this, do we? No, we don't. Because I'm too lazy to edit which it. Is, Welcome, you song. Which is why I should have a post-it note in front of me that says, don't say... You have a ukulele. Oh. We could make you a oh, song. Oh, sure. We could write you a song that we says... Shouldn't, I don't need a post-it note that says not to swear because I... Oh, my God. I will, see, I just called you Lance, and you're not Lance, you're Yisong. It's confusing. You both lived in 05C. We yeah. did. But Yisong was like, what is this podcast about? And I'm like, well, we ask you about your life, and then we get distracted. There is a picture of me head-hopping Lance. Right. I, I prefer to talk about the picture of you, of us in reversal for Galileo. I'm I'm behind you on a cart, and you're acting crazy, and I'm kind of wheeling by in the I background. I have lost all recollection of this particular scene. I only remember the head hopping. I, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> were you in Galileo? I was. Yeah. What was your I think part? we all were. Oh. Who, who wasn't in Galileo? Wait, you were Galileo. I was Galileo. What were yeah. you? 
I was Cosmo de' Medici, yep. the 12-year-old Duke. I have a cup. Like, I have a red Solo cup that I've been using as a pen holder since my junior year of high school that has my name. Like, this cup belongs to His Royal Highness, the Duke Cosmo de' Medici. I don't know. All I know is I was a 12-year-old boy with lots of boobs. An armillary sphere in that show. Did you? I? Well, I Daryl, so. you thought. I actually... You were, you were a priest. I was. That's yeah. right. That's I'll, right. I'll never forget you. I am standing on a fixed earth. And you kind of, you had this big long monologue about how the, the sun moves, not the earth. And how Do either of you have it on tape? Just like I have it on VHS. I'm pretty sure I have it. Or, gosh, I hope it's somewhere in my parents' house on VHS. I would love Lance to see it, this. just because Lance talked about how he was on Galileo. Every day. <laughs> I've heard <laughs> you also talk about how you were Norwegian Explorer Amundsen. Do you also talk about that? The Amundsen is every evening. The Galileo <laughs> thing is every morning when I get up. That's how I wake Megan up. Megan, good morning. I was once Galileo in a production name. <laughs> it's January 15, 2018. I was once Galileo in a performance name, so... And to go to go to sleep, I do a little little uh, Amundsen Amundsen's um, song at night. I can't sing it for you now because it's still being licensed by, the, <laughs> by Amundsen's estate. I just lied and made that up. But, <laughs> I'm like, what was the last time you went to Norway? I don't know. Oh, you know what other famous Nor- Norse person that that. I love Greta Waits. She's amazing. She was a female marathoner who won the New York Marathon like eight times in the 1980s and mostly just the 1980s. And she came in second in the 1984 first ever women's marathon at the Olympics. And I'm obsessed with her. And that's all. Thank you. Goodbye. So you, you said you were worried this was going to be hard. I told you that like Lance would ask you pointed questions and then I would derail the conversation. I see. I see how this works. Yeah, and then I hand I made the mistake of handing Lance a ukulele. I haven't been too destructive with it. I mean, I haven't hit you somewhere with a head with it or anything. I know. Did you drop? Not sure the ukulele would win. (laughs) (laughs) You sound what's awesome about living on your own at age whatever fourteen, fifteen. I really expected you to say age thirty-four. I got to play video games all night. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was the most awesome thing the first night at IMSA. What did you play at IMSA? StarCraft. Uh, that's Super right, you played a lot of StarCraft. Of Starcraft. Yeah. Super Smash Brothers. That was an 05C thing. I do not raise Super Smash Yeah, yeah. Who else was in 05C with you at? Everybody. Uh, everybody cool, only. Yeah. Yeah. My brother was O5C for one year. Mm. And then I think, I guess O5C wasn't cool by the time the class of O5 showed up. Well, it definitely took a took a dive once we got there. But we should get back to... Back Wait, to t- we should actually answer Megan's question. <laughs> Which well, is... I think I did. Oh. Oh, everybody cool. Everybody cool. But I was like, Steve oh, Downing, ooh. Steve Downing, Jeff Tamer, Dan Ehrman... John Carino. John Carino, Daniel Langan. Nate Covert. Nate. Max Fingston. Eric Sutton. Uh, Eric Sutton. And that's just like the, the 2001 and younger crowd. And the yeah. The crowd was really cool, too. So you guys knew each other from year one at MSA, or it took a couple of years. For year one. Were you at FOC your sophomore I was at Yeah, I was, I was at FOC all three years. Right, you were 07. That's right. I'm sorry. <laughs> we were talking about that earlier, and I was yeah. like, I think you sunk started in 07. I know. I started in the... Uh, the uncool place. It's okay. I was O4D all years because I was not allowed to live in O5C. 
Do you guys remember your first impressions of each other? No. <laughs> I I did have a first impression of Katrina. <laughs> I didn't have well, a no. particularly strong one of Lance. Now, now we have to hear this story. Um, I'm sure it involves me waving my arms wildly and shouting in Arbor. It was... Well, I mean, first of all, you haven't changed that much. I mean, whatever this is, and that's like, right? <laughs> as you like gesticulates like in my general direction, uh, was was basically what it was, you know, twenty years ago. I am slightly calmer now. There is slightly less energy. I think that's because I put on twenty five pounds, and so it's like it requires more effort to jump off the ground. Mm-hmm. Slightly is doing a lot of work in that sense. <laughs> No, you haven't changed. You haven't changed. I mean, you've changed a little, but yeah, you. you I curse more your, now. Well, well right. we all do. <laughs> Two of you went to graduate school. So one thing right, adult no. life will teach you to do is use four-letter words well. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Wait, but what do you? Re- I'm sure it involves me like. Yeah. Shouting. What was your first what impression like, of Katrina? I believe you excitedly described everything you were seeing in front of you. Wait, was this one of those, like, Wednesday group things? Was it improv? Like, mm, did we do an improv in our session? No? No? No, I don't remember the exact... I just remember the, the feeling of Katrina. <laughs> right? It was like... It sort of walked into a room before her. <laughs> yeah. Because you can hear me coming across the room. Like, oh, that is a pillow wall. Oh, that is a wooden wheel. Oh. I know the pillow wall. I have only been to Insta once with Lance, but I do think yeah. I remember the pillow wall. Wait, they moved the hamster ball. Like, they did. They moved the hamster wheel ball. So. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, you are a person. Oh, this is a door. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. That, that was the sort of the impression I had of Katrina. And that's sort of how Katrina walked around the Caltech campus today. Uh, correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. And that's a great segue into talking about Caltech. Um... So you have to tell us about your work here at Caltech and what you do. Uh, I'm a professor at Caltech. It's sort of like IMSA, except for slightly older people. Um, well, you get paid to be here. I do, and the students pay a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I can see mountains in the background. It's a little different than, oh, than yeah. IMSA. There are hills here. The climate is better. Yeah. True. Uh, it, Caltech was the inspiration for the movie Real Genius, if you've seen it. Is that the one with Val Kilmer? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I did see that. Mm-hmm. That's a great movie. I've only ever seen two Val Kilmer movies. One is Batman. Batman. One is Batman. <laughs> <laughs> it was The Saint, and after that, I was like, I'm... Wait, what was oh, the you have to watch Real Genius. <laughs> it's, does, it's not terrible. Yes. Did yeah. they film it on campus? Um, You know, I don't remember. I wouldn't be surprised if they... Did. I was uh, I ran into some people from uh, Silicon Valley the other day. They were filming on campus. Wait, the actors were Silicon Valley. Yeah, Tom Middleditch. Oh, I get the money on that show. Oh, I do love that show. Yeah, they're they're too lazy to fly up to Stanford and film on that campus. Wait, but it's set at Stanford. It's set at Stanford, but okay. they film at least some of the times they film at Caltech. Okay, that makes sense. It's like when I watched Beauty and the Beast on the CW, and they were filmed so clearly in Vancouver, and they'd be like, 
this is New York City. And I was like, I don't know what part of New York you think you are in. <laughs> and they're like, this is clearly fake Columbia. And I'm like, that's pretty good fake Columbia. But that fake Riverside Park is horrific. And it, which it, it, I think it's hilarious when people try to fake that they're in New York City because 10 million people live in New York City, not counting all the commuters and tourists that have been to New York City. So I'm like, that's a, everyone knows when you're faking New York City. I don't know if there, I feel like you should be able to tell the difference between Caltech and Stanford. I, I, I can. <laughs> I don't think most people can. Okay, that's fair. So. How long have you been here, Ethan? I have been here four years. Wow. Yeah, time flies. Did you, and before that you were at CMU? Before that I was at the Walt Disney Company. You worked for Disney itself? I was an Imagineering. That's right, you were! And then you're still working for them. I consult for them uh, on and off, and I collaborate with them, yes. Have you ever been in a room with John Lasseter? Only Ed Catmull. What is Catmull? Ed Catmull? Oh, Ed Catmull. Yeah, I read his book. I know who he is. For those of you at home who don't have your own Google monkey to look up Ed Catmull, he is the other founder of Pixar. He wrote a book about Apparently the one that Katrina is far less excited about. Way less excited. You could have said Brad Bird and I would have exploded through the roof. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of funny because I totally like lost my shit when I met Ed Catmull. In fact, I have a habit of losing my shit these days. We don't have to talk about that. <laughs> Oh, that's a joke that was funny because he told us a story earlier. When he had the flu. <laughs> so now part two of the podcast. We're going to talk about things that make Esau lose the shit. Oh, we have parts now? We have an organized podcast? I don't know. Oh. I don't think there's any organization this There's whatsoever. no organization kind of, this podcast. We're, we're jumping around Esau's career here. So, Esau, your work in, uh, for specifically, was on... Um, animating mouse, and that's only one small part of what you do. But that's At Disney, yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've seen, like, I've seen video of your students and you speaking English. You spoke Chinese, Chinese. in one video, right? Some yeah. other students spoke other languages, and yeah. the software was moving the mouth of a character, and that's part of what you've done for Disney. Right? That's right. We do automated lip syncing for Disney. That's amazing. Yeah. In fact, we have a product in. Uh, is it called Pandora Land or Avatar Land? I'm sure it's called Pandora. Pandora? Okay. In Orlando, where they have these big blue Navi robots in the Navi River river ride thing. I love that Yusan yeah. is looking at me expecting me to know this, because I'm a Disney fan, and I really don't know this. Okay, anyways, their mouths move in response to uh, speaking stuff, and it's very oh realistic, and that's exciting my contribution. Yeah, next time I go to Disney World, I'll go to the Animal Kingdom, which yes. I haven't been to in years, and I will go on the Navi ride, and I will point out and shout excitedly that my friend Yusan did that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wait, I have a question. Oh, right. I get to... You get to I was expecting ahead. you to call on me. You get to go ahead and ask it. Call because, on <laughs> Professor Yusan. Because if you don't, we just have dead air. It's true. That's why I gave you a ukulele, but... Oh, I'm sorry. I was falling down on my duties. Um... No, so what made you be interested in artificial intelligence? Uh, that is a long story. Um, Does it well, involve robots? Actually, it's not that long. I took a class. I thought it was cool. Oh, okay. End of story. 
Where there's zombies. <laughs> give us, the, give us the, the longer version of that story. The longer version of yeah. the story? I was a lost at sea in a sea of ideas, wondering what to make of myself. A young man searching for his identity, for his place in this world, wondering if there even is one for him. And then I saw it. An equation about learning in a computer. And I thought, damn, that was beautiful. And and indeed it was. I have never felt that way about an equation. But I'm glad you did. Was there one literal equation you saw? I was like, oh, that's really cool. Ah, No, it was a collection of equations. I was going to say one equation. No, it was a collection. Okay. But that sounds less cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. when did you take the class? Undergrad yeah, or grad school? Uh, 2005, grad school. Wow. Oh. So what did you? So you went to grad school without knowing your specialization. I went. I went into grad school not really knowing what I wanted to do. Okay, yeah. fair. Okay, fair. But interesting tidbit: Yi Song went to Cornell for grad school, or Lance went for undergrad. Undergrad, yeah. Did you guys cross paths at Cornell? We did because I I took a year off. Um, between IMSA and Cornell, so my my last year at Cornell was Yisong's first, mm-hmm. and I actually defended my undergraduate thesis on the first day of classes for the 2006-07 school year, uh, and I stayed with Yisong, and so the first day of class was my last day at Cornell, so yeah, we overlap a little bit there. Yep. Yeah. But what, so you were like, this equation is beautiful. I want to spend the rest of my life trying to turn robots into humans. No. Not but that's one way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's not the art of... Because every so often you post something on... like you. I feel like you used to blog. Maybe? I don't blog as often anymore. Right, but you're still in my Feedly. So I'll still like click on it, and then I won't understand anything that I'm reading. But I feel like you did used to say that artificial intelligence is not about... Robot, it's not about computers learning to think like humans. It's about, I don't know, something else that I read in an article that I can't remember right now. Well, uh, that's the level of podcast I aspire to. I once read an article, and I couldn't understand it then, and I don't remember it now. What is really informative, <laughs> and that's why we have Yisong here. Because well, Yisong can explain to me that you know, artificial intelligence is not about you know, turning computers into humans. A helicopter is not about turning a human-carrying object into a bird, although it does fly. Oh, is it mimicking that motion? Also, I just saw Jumanji, and there's a helicopter in that movie, so I'm imagining that right now. Uh, I mean, artificial intelligence is about making software that is flexible, increasingly more flexible. Aha, flexible. Yes. That is the word to use. So, and how does how is AI as a kind of general branch? How is it different from machine learning, which you do specifically? Uh, machine learning is a subfield of AI, which is about uh, how to design learning algorithms. A learning algorithm is a software that uh, automatically comes up with a program from looking at data. Oh. So for example, like with the with the software that can mouth so audio it, text, right, so that you one, programmed. Yeah. So we took a learning algorithm, had it look at people speaking, 
and then it spit out another program that was able to mimic people speaking. So it's a machine that programs another machine by itself. No, it's a program that writes out another program. Pro- okay. Program so you, that writes out another program. So you literally had an actor in, in a studio, right? And the actor was making all sorts of sounds. And the machine was like, okay, this is this sound. And then it watches the mouth. And this is this sound. And it watches the mouth. And you iterate that enough times. And the machine gets it. Oh, I understand now that when I hear this sound, I make this motion. That's basically what happened. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. We've got dead air while Katrina to choose on. I know, so, I'm thinking. I mean, we, we do we do uh, more heavy stuff, too. But maybe Which, that's not suitable for this podcast. No, we no, I mean, it is. Heavy stuff. Are you planning to defend us from the zombies with your very smart programs? We help paraplegics walk again. Okay, that's way cool. I haven't heard about this research, have I? I don't know. Um, I don't think so. Why don't you tell us about it? Well, we put an electric, epidural electric stimulator inside a smile column of people with spine injuries. Which is basically something that shocks people. Right. It's like shock therapy on steroids. And then we figure out the right settings to shock them to help them regain lower limb mobility. That's amazing. And it's in clinical trial right now. That's fantastic. Yeah. Have you ever had physical therapy? Yes. Where the doctor sort of just um, tries random settings of the thing and then tries random treatments and then asks you how you feel? Uh, No. But uh, okay. I tend to only have physical therapy for things like plantar fasciitis. Ah, okay. So I, I sprained my knee once. Right? Okay. And it was, I had tendonitis, it was swollen, and the doctor put some gel on my kneecap and started like shocking it with that stimulator stim- stim- device. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this. And he just like sort of tries a few different settings, like, so how does that feel? I'm like, oh. So basically the AI is going to replace that part. It's going to automatically figure out how to you know, um, tune the treatments to the individual injuries. Right. Yeah. Okay, but this would only work on people who have who still have their limbs but have not. You know, I'm not a medical expert. I don't know all the details. All right, I, but yeah. Okay, so but this software, software program, software. Program. Those are the same things. Great. So that would not necessarily help. Someone who has like a prosthetic limb, it would not necessarily help them control the prosthetic limb as if it were a a, a flesh limb. Uh, you know, we still need the doctors and medical experts to, to, to define the space of things that the program can experiment within and tune within. Mm-hmm. If that's not well defined, the program's not going to do anything intelligent. So there's a, but the, it's it's like the doctor says these are the things that matter. Here's how, can, here's how you can tell if you're making progress. Go. Okay. Yeah. And then it writes a program. So it solves the um, it solves the problem of how do I make this work? Like yeah, you know, it's really not that different at a high level from like a calculator, right? Like, you know, you don't need to do number crunching by hand. You don't need to try every little setting and, you know, Create mm-hmm. a spreadsheet to figure out what worked for this patient or not by hand. It just does it automatically. Right. I feel like this is very awesome. And I. It's really it's amazing work. Yeah. It's like and the future is now. With a project like that, I mean, which were you after your physical therapy? Were you like, well, this sucks. So let's make this better. Or did somebody come to you and be like, so we're interested in 
Oh yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. I, I, I don't actually work with the physical world. I'm just sort of sitting here nerding out with my like equations and stuff. And so some medical engineering professor approached me okay. about a collaboration. Yeah, so I'm very opportunistic. And do you find that's how most of your collaborations start? That somebody comes to you and says, "So we had this thing, and we need to, we need to." That's basically how it, it works. I, I find that if I ever try to force my own thing in the real world, it's usually a spectacular failure. So really. Yeah, because I don't, I don't actually have any expertise on getting things to work in the real world. So I work with people. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. It works out better that way. Yeah. But you just can't 100% control what the cool application will be. Well, sure. Yeah. Interesting. Right. So what does the average day look like for you? Like here at Caltech? Uh, <laughs> uh, six hours of meetings. Uh couple hours of responding to emails, uh, then go home and decide if I want to respond to more emails. At some point in time, you have to teach. Uh, I do teach a little bit. I teach, um, I teach about three hours a week. Okay. Yeah, so two lectures each an hour and a half long. Okay. Yeah. How long do you have to spend writing code? Or do you not have to do that? I do not write code anymore, unfortunately. Mm. Unfortunately, haha. So you miss it. I do. Oh. Okay. I mean, do you usually have your grad students write that for you? Yeah, they uh, they do all the actual work. Okay. I'm just a, I'm just a, <laughs> a figurehead. I'm a overqualified cheerleader. I'd be really good at that. Do you I mean do you find is that what you expected when you went into academia into teaching or not really? Oh, I I, I expected this when I went. Okay. Into academia. Yeah. I mean, or rather, uh, when I went to grad school, I just wanted to do math. And then after I, you know, got more senior, I understood what a job of a professor was. And so when I started my professor job, I knew this was what's going to happen. Okay. Yeah. And you, have you always wanted academia? No. No? Were you no. like, what did you want instead? At what point in my life? I don't know. Robots? I feel like robots is robots always a is good answer. Robots is not an answer to a when question. That's true, but I didn't answer your question. I specifically it, did not answer your question. What about zombie robots? <laughs> when zombie robots? You know, I just want to... This, this bugs me a little bit. Yeah. It would be an undead cyborg, right? A robot <laughs> is a purely mechanical... A robot is a purely mechanical construct with Which no organic... Which is why you could program the robot to, to want... If it's a non-organic object... Then it, a zombie version of that non-organic object would want non-organic sustenance. What is the, your definition of zombie? Uh, pretty much the undead wants to eat brains, move slowly. Hence, cyborg. Not, not, but that's what I'm saying is that the zombie is, but a robot zombie would be non-organic because a zombie, like, it's an, it's not an analogy. Is it an analogy? The, the, the part's tripping us up here. We've been talking about zombie robots all day. Right. Well, song is not thrilled with the idea of a zombie robot that eats processors. The part that's tripping us up, I think, is the zombie means you were alive and then you died and now you're alive slash undead. And a robot was never alive to begin with. And I think that's really the core of the zombie robot discussion we've been. No, so, so it's the core. I have a non sequitur. So Do you know? So this is a very key theme in Star Trek: Next Generation episode, Measure of a Man. 
Okay. Where Data goes on trial for whether or not he had rights. It's one of the Have best episodes you, of Star Trek. The first of all, I've never seen anything of Star Trek. Secondly, it the seems to actor be who was Brett Spiner. The the actor who was claiming that he did not have rights. Okay. Is Chris Maddox? Is Commander Chris Maddox, played by Brian Brophy, who is the director of theater here at Caltech. So wait, how many episodes of Star Trek have you seen? Have you seen all of them? I have seen all the Star Treks. Even the new Star Trek Discovery? I have seen most of that. Okay. If you are a color, (laughs) what Star Trek color are you? Well, the thing is, the Star Trek colors have changed meanings over time, right? Really? You had the exact same answer. I asked my husband this question less than a week ago. I was like, what? Color and I'm mostly just asking it for like if I ever bought you weird like Star Trek gear. Well, I have to be careful now because <laughs> you ask me a question like that and it's like what well, whatever color I answer is what's gonna end up under the tree some Christmas. So I have to be really careful about this answer. But I would I would do a blue shirt. Blue shirt, yeah, because blue shirt has always been science, science and engineering and medical. Yeah, science, which and is a, a good answer because mm-hmm. the original. Now, Katrina, you said red shirt. Were you talking about? The original series Red Shirt or Next Generation the, Crimson? I have seen three Star Trek movies. And that's it. That's it. That's all I've seen. So the recent ones? When you said. I saw the two, the first red. two of the recent ones. And I saw the one with Patrick Stewart where they go to the island and they all age backwards. Like Star they Trek, get younger. Star Trek Insurrection. Like a Benjamin that one. Button. That one. I saw Star Trek Insurrection. Star Trek. And I saw Star Trek with Chris Pine, and okay. then I saw Star Trek Into Darkness, which was too long, and I have not seen the third one yet. has Benedict Cumberbatch. Benedict yes, Cumberbatch. but they could have saved that last 30-minute chase scene for the next movie. I agree that that movie was a bit long at the end. Yeah. So are you saying that you want to be... All I know is I imagine I would... Look, I'm either management, I don't know what color shirt that is. But I'm management. Command, command in the new series is that crimson red. Or I'm someone that dies quickly. Operations is gold and medical science and, and, and um, science. I'm not medical science. I'm straight up. I'm your person where you're like, I need to make this happen, this happen, this happen, and stock the Coke machine. And I'm like, on it. Also, in charge of birthdays. So in the, in the next generation, you'd be a gold uniform. In the original series, you'd be a red shirt. And it's it's kind of a joke that's not really a joke it's absolutely true that there's like um kirk and spock and mccoy and some random guy in a, in a red shirt all beamed down to the planet uh and it's like gee i wonder who's gonna die this episode right and the, the right the red shirt yeah, yeah. I mean, it's literally a, it's a now now red oh, the red shirt like the guy who's gonna die right that you've never seen before that would be me yeah okay except also working in operations right Wait, so did you guys watch Star Trek when you were at Inza? Hell yeah. Was it? I mean, on? this was it was kind of before it was before Netflix, but yeah, Star Trek was around way. Before no, no, no. I know. I'm like, was there an air current, like a show currently airing new episodes? I feel like uh, it would have been Voyager. Yes, not. It was either DSR or Voyager. Voyager. So how would you go about watching that? In the years we did have TV. Time? We are not so old that we didn't did have they TV have on the radio. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I used to watch Dawson. Creek every Wednesday. Yeah, I don't know how this would work. We had a common era with the TV. Yeah. We would also watch X Files. Mm-hmm. Eric's son would splice the cable into his room. 
I probably shouldn't have said that for a broadcast. I was going to say, he's now, he's now an attorney, so we might not want to mention that. But, well, you know. What are the Is statute of limitations for this, this kind of stuff? I don't know, but we're going to find out. I mean, what are they going to do? Like, take away our privileges? They want us to give them money. Yeah, I just donated. Yeah, I donate every year. Good, good for you. I'm still, I'm still paying off my college student loans, so as soon as I get those off, yeah. I mean, they'll, they'll forgive us. I literally pay them $25 a year, so it's still well, I'm super good generous. for you. Yeah. Megan gave you the thumbs up, by the way. You couldn't do that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. thumbs up. Uh, right. Can I, I just can I just say how I, I really enjoyed that we had a Star Trek a Star Trek bunny trail in this? That was really was wonderful. Bunny trail? A bunny trail. Is that? What? A, a, a side thing, a distraction. Really? With a conversation. You've never heard the term bunny trail before? No, and it's never been mentioned on Oregon Trail either. It's a terrific term for a conversation that goes root off to one side. Oh. And it came full circle back to the Caltech. Mm-hmm. Right. This, is, this is podcasting gold right now. Wow. That's what this is. I just got really excited. Look at that, guys. We're 32 minutes in. All right. Look at that. So... Sunshines. You'd be you'd be blue, Ben. You're saying. I suppose Science. so. Yeah. 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 I wouldn't want to actually make decisions. You would want to, or there's would a, not? I would not want to. There's yeah, a certain yeah. There's a certain comfort to that in being one of the blue uniforms because you're just like, oh, it's an injured person. Well, I'm wearing a blue uniform. Or oh, I'm a science officer. You go kill the bad guys, and I'll stay here studying. I don't have to deal with morality issues. Don't you have to deal with morality issues? You're in the sciences. Only indirectly. Okay. Although All that right. might be changing. I mean, fair. I guess I'm in a place right now where I feel like we're always dealing with morality and ethics because we're, I, I'm in a business where I constantly have to fight for fair wages and decent labor practices. And because of where we are politically in our country right now, I feel like I, like everyone is constantly fighting for morality issues. Like universal health care kind of feels like a morality mm-hmm. issue. Yeah, I, I guess tied to my job. Plus, oh, okay. Yeah. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. Do, do you tell people that you're an AI researcher and the first thing I say to you is, oh, Skynet or some... No, usually something. it's about taking away people's jobs. Okay. And uh, then Skynet. Uh, <laughs> it's number two. Skynet. <laughs> Wait, two. is Skynet James Bond? Uh, Terminator. Oh my god, what just happened? I know. <laughs> I've only seen gonna, T2. I was, I was trying to no, get wait, as fast as possible, but no, we're gonna No, have, I've only seen T2, and that was when I was like 11. I have not seen a Terminator film since I was pre pubescent I've never seen a Terminator film. Oh my god, my god. <laughs> it's way worse than what I just said. Anyways, the first thing people talk about typically is about jobs. I also about, about like the manufacturing and how we keep losing jobs to robots. Specifically about self-driving cars and how there are 10 million truck driving jobs in America that are in jeopardy. Oh yeah, no, that's a valid point. Yeah, it's gonna be pretty disruptive to the economy. Yeah. There, there are 10 million. I believe truck so. driving jobs. I believe that. that's, that's the number. One are... out of 30 people in the U.S. Yep. I believe that is the number of jobs in jeopardy because of self-driving cars. Right, because if you could get the trucks to drive themselves across the country, that's it's, pretty it's significant. It's going to be extremely disruptive to the economy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we wouldn't. And, uh, yeah, we should figure out what to do about it. Right. Sorry, I'm just thinking through the implications. I'm like, would we outlaw self 
driving in order to protect those jobs. But then I'm like, then we're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot because then we're stopping progress. And like, basically the economic development of this country is based on embracing technology. I mean, trucking is how goods move in the U S I mean, yeah. there, no, there are a lot of trains and right, but like trucking, else, but trucking is, is, yeah. I mean, I didn't know if it was that many, if it's as many as, you know, one in 30 people has a trucking job. Or some kind of transportation-related right. job right. Um, that's going to be in jeopardy right. Right. once self-driving cars becomes a more mainstream thing. Right. Hmm. That's something to think about. And, yeah, manufacturing, uh, it's going to become more and more automated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And there is an argument to be made that that's good because it's partly more efficient and it's also safer for the humans it's safer, it's more efficient, it's higher quality, mm-hmm. um, it's cheaper. Um, it's in every way better for the consumer, but it's disruptive to the people who work in the industry. People We're ever, all nodding. ever contact you, ask you about those issues? Yeah, I mean, I don't have all the answers. I mean, we actually sure. have to have a conversation as a society about what to do about it. Sure. Um, right, and the question is, how do we have that conversation? Well, I mean, there's uh, it's a uh, it's a hard conversation to have. Yeah. Right. Do you are you having that conversation at your academic conferences, or are you only looking at the science of these conferences? Ah, and it's, the uh, it's an interesting question. So we do have certain types of societal related conversations. Most of them actually have to do with fairness and and bias in these machine learning algorithms. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, you know, there was this infinite thing where the Apple, it was either Apple or Google, but it wasn't able to correctly identify the faces of of people from African descent Mm -hmm. because the training data that the AI algorithms were trained on did not include enough faces of people of African descent. The data set itself was biased that we were trained on. Right. Right, and so the the resulting AI system was biased by, by... so as a consequence, right. wasn't there wasn't there a Microsoft? I think it was on Twitter, wasn't it? There was a Microsoft Twitter bot. Oh yeah, it, it went supposed, insane. Yeah, it was supposed to learn based on what people tweeted, quote unquote, her. Yeah, and all and all this Twitter bot did was spew out a bunch of racist and neo Nazi. That's right. right. Within yeah. like four hours. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So that is the thing that we talk about a lot at the conferences, right? Like how to, uh, you know. How to not have that happen. Right. And is there understanding that you're kind of the ideas man, but then at these conferences or within academia, is there kind of a wanting to have this conversation with the businesses that would be using this technology, that would be using this application of the software? Right. Uh, You know, all the major tech companies come to these academic conferences, so they're well aware. Okay. Um... So it's it's more a question of is this something that we as a community could do something about right now? And in the case of bias, the answer is yes. Okay. In the case of what do we do about people whose jobs are displaced, that the answer is we cannot do anything about it as a community, as an academic community. Right. right. At least not by ourselves. Right. We can write software that check other software to see if it's biased. But that's something that we can develop just within our community. And in fact, we are doing that. Right. Right. Yay. 
Check but we, we can't really write software to give someone a job. Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just thinking through, like, how yeah. would you solve the problem of displaced jobs? And really what I'm coming up with is smaller populations, which is not helpful. Uh, or could I, be helpful. I, I mean, I, I can have, I have, I have a bunch of hypotheses. This is something <laughs> I have been thinking about on and off from time to time. I mean, we, 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 we as a society put a lot of quote-unquote dignity in our jobs, in having a job, having some sort of role in society. I don't know that that will go away anytime soon because it's somehow like hardwired into the human brain, right? Mm -hmm. This like search for social status and meaning and et cetera, et cetera. But we can divorce it from the idea of having a job, mm -hmm. right? Right. Um, in which case, it might be okay for half the population to be unemployed. Doing or 90% of the population to be unemployed. Doing work and having a job, I mean, the fact that those two are the same thing is a relatively recent phenomenon. Right. You mean since, like, the Industrial Revolution? Right. Would be when that became a thing? Sorry, now I'm thinking back to my Utopia Anti-Utopia class in my senior yeah, so. year at IMSA. Right. And we had to read Looking Backward. <laughs> and then I think about Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand, which are kind of, they're basically the same system, but one is looking at that system in a positive light and one is looking at that system in a negative light. Um, that system being that, like, not, I don't even know the words, but are you guys familiar with Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged? Only vaguely. Yeah, I haven't yeah. read it, but I mean, I know the... It's basically that, like, this one company tried to, they tried to just pay everyone an equal amount. Like, the, the idea is that American society is leaning towards everyone gets paid the same amount no matter how much work you do, and rather than that being a security blanket and then everyone does work to the best of their ability, it's like everyone works to the lowest amount that they could work because they see some other guy not working as hard as they are and then they, they're like, why am I, if we're getting paid the same, why am I working harder? And so you get diminishing returns. Whereas like in Looking Backward by Edward Bellamy, which is a really boring novel, really boring. Turns out Utopia's not interesting to read. But it's, it's like there's everyone just gets standardized income or like everyone has an assigned job and depending on how not wanted that job is like garbage collectors get paid more and have to work less because no one wants that job but then like you're always guaranteed a standardized income basically and that way society all of all of society is taken care of that is a terrible explanation of that well, one, but guaranteed basic income is something that countries are interested in because automation is is coming and people are already having that conversation of if everybody just got guaranteed income, what would I mean what would happen is already a conversation that I know is happening in a lot of European countries. Right. If you take all the wealth in the United States and divide it evenly as a thought experiment, every household would be making seventy thousand dollars a year. Which is almost the threshold for Happiness, when, right? for happiness, when money no longer contributes to happiness. So we already have enough wealth in this country for everyone to live a middle-class lifestyle. Now, of course, that thought experiment is unrealistic because you know we should give people incentives, but it just goes to show you that there's no reason why people need to be out of a job, starving on the streets, feeling like they have nowhere to nowhere to hang on to in life. It was just announced that Jeff Bezos has overtaken 
Um, Gates is the richest person on the planet. Oh, right? really? I hope I'm not making that up. Uh, I think that happened and then it went back as down okay. on stocks. Or... Wait, but I thought okay. Gates is still the richest even though he gave so much away. It's funny, it's, 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 you know, it's funny how wealth works. Um, once you're that rich, you, you make more money just by having money. Because it's all invested. And That's therefore... right. So even though he's giving money away, he's also making a lot of money. Right. Just by breeding. Yeah. Right. Like J.K. Rowling. And then when you continue putting out new products. I When you said Jeff Bezos was just overtaken, I like envisioned Jeff Bezos in a tank, like overtaking American society. Take that, Gates. <laughs> <laughs> like he's already bought up Whole Foods and Amazon is already. Oh, yeah, they you know, bought like, Whole Foods, didn't they? Yeah, they bought the Washington Post. Yeah, oh, did they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's. Well, Amazon did not, Jeff Bezos did. Oh. Is he also a stakeholder in Tesla? I don't believe so. No? That Elon Musk is a stakeholder in Amazon? I feel like they're connected somehow. Oh, Amazon is a publicly traded company. So anyone could be a stakeholder in Amazon. Right. I feel like in the beginning, though. I feel like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos are connected somehow. They both have spacefaring companies. Oh. Jeff is called Blue Origins. Oh, Would sorry. you like to go to space one day? No, I'd probably puke my brains out. Um, <laughs> I don't like roller coasters. I don't like heights. Not roller coasters, really? No. I mean, I'm, I'm learning to enjoy them more, but it's it's a process. Because you work on AI for all these no, big companies with rides, and so you kind of have to be like, I used to get car suit a lot, really? you know? It's just, uh, just my thing. Last time I... Or the first time, excuse me, that I tried to go whale watching, I just ended up puking for four hours. Is there whale watching in LA? There is. You can uh, you can go to Newport Beach and go whale watching. I'm sure there are also whale watching in San Diego. Probably. Yeah, I went whale watching in Australia. Oh. Yeah. Were you in Australia for a conference? I was. Yes. You have such a fancy job. Well, this is part of what I didn't know because I'm sort of used to, you know, more text-based things, but, I mean, your research song is moving so fast that by the time something's published, it'll almost be out of date, right? And that's why, or am I completely wrong in that, that your field is a lot more... Uh, you know, that is the that is the perception that if something's published, it's out of, it's, it feels out of date. Um, that is the perception. I feel like that is just a perception of um, the more superficial aspects of the field. Okay. So why would you say your field is a lot more conference-driven than publication-driven? Well, we publish at conferences. Okay. So it's also very publication-driven. Okay. Is each conference hosted by a publication? Each conference uh, uh, is a venue for publishing papers. Are, and the papers are not published in scientific journals? We typically don't publish in journals. Oh, I yeah. feel like this is so different from it my... It is different from most other fields, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, because getting to know Megan, right? it was like, your your goal is always to get into a bigger and better journal. I'm in biomedical research, and so right. our goal is to get into an academic scholarly journal. But it sounds like uh, Yusong has a lot of conference proceedings publications. That's is right. that what it looks like on yep. your CV and stuff? Yep. Conference proceedings? Yep. And I'm always jealous because you, I mean, you fly to 
tons of really cool places. And you just mentioned you're going to be in Stockholm. Or just That's right. Next July, I'll July. be in Stockholm. Yep. And then I'm going to China in August. And I was previously in Italy, Zurich, London, Frankfurt, Australia. And am I totally wrong that as an unrelated thing, you were in Boston yesterday, weren't you? Oh yeah, that was that was that was not personal. Yeah, right. But <laughs> but I was on the couch and you were beside me, mm-hmm. Megan, and you were like, "You're meeting like, me song yeah, tomorrow." Yeah, already meeting him tomorrow. He's still meeting in Boston. I flew in last night. Wow. And does uh, Caltech pay for you to attend these conferences? Do the conferences pay for you to attend as a speaker? Ah, ha, ha. The dirty secrets of being a professor. I have to fundraise. Um, Just, you have to find people to pay for you to go to conferences? What? Well, paying, going to I am affronted on your behalf. Going to conferences is a very small part of the total budget. Are you fundraising? Wait, so you have to fundraise in order to fund your research? Correct. The, the university is only paying you to teach other students. The university gives me a platform and a, to be visible to acquire funding for my research. Academia is weird, isn't it? This is almost worse than being a not-for-profit theater. <laughs> like, it's not as bad because I feel like you get more money than not-for-profit theaters well, do. Well, I mean, it's a like, very powerful platform, right? I get yeah. PhD students through it. Um, you know, I get connections to funding agencies, companies, you know. Sometimes philanthropic donors. Right, and you um, can get hired to be a consultant, and that's separate from fundraising. That's for my personal budget. That's for my personal work, not right. for my research budget. Yeah. Right. So you have to fund your, you have to find the funding for your own research budget. That's right. That's right. And then the university uh, has what's called an overhead, which is basically a consumption tax on my research budget to pay oh. for everything that. Looks nice here at Caltech. Right, the studio and the operations, and like someone has to take out the trash. And the turtles. The turtles. Yes. Someone has to pay for the turtles. That's right. Someone's gonna make sure the audience knows about the turtles. Well, there. I will. When this podcast post goes up, I will post pictures of the turtles. Turtles. <laughs> the turtles. What is that little pond called? Does it have a name? Caltech. It does. I forget. I just call it the turtle pond. It is I mean, full. full of turtles. Everyone knows. So. That Everyone knows what you're talking about when you just say turtle pond. It has an official name, though. I'm sure the donors who paid to name the turtle pond are really happy that nobody <laughs> can remember. <laughs> yeah. I think it's called, like, Throop Memorial Pond. Throop? I think that's, that's what it might be called. Yeah, you can walk by and you can see, like, no fewer just than, the... like, 100 turtles <laughs> just sunning themselves on rocks. raising her hand. Yes, yeah, yes, Katrina. Okay, so... Personal question, or for all of you to ponder, I don't really under, like, I feel like if I were to donate money to a company, I don't know that I would want naming rights for that money. So, donate money to a, to a for-profit company? No, no, no. When, when I say company, I usually think not-for-profit, because oh, basically my entire industry is not-for-profit, oh, okay, yeah, with right. the exception of... Okay, Don- donations to a non-for-profit Donations to a not-for-profit organization, okay. yeah, yeah. and then you get naming rights for that. But I'm like, I wouldn't want naming rights. Like, I, I just feel weird. I don't know that I want the Katrina Renee Herman Theater. That feels excessive and, and unnecessary. I've, I've been to the Goodman in Chicago, and I walk into the men's room, and the men's room is named. Like, there's a John and Linda Smith Memorial Men's Room. And I'm like, to my future children, 
if you donate money to the name of men's room after me, I will haunt you. And I don't believe in hauntings, and I'll still do it if you name a men's room after me. Yeah, but right? like, remember why? at um, the, it must be an awesome the church room. where we got married and how there's like a memorial drinking fountain to your grandfather? To my grandfather, that's right. They, <laughs> they gave some money to the church, and so they had a little small plaque on the side of the drinking fountain in Garner Hall. At Kaysbury Community Church, where you and I got married, and that is the Edward Baum Memorial Drinking Fountain. <laughs> which, <laughs> growing up, it was always like, oh yeah, name they there's a little plaque on the side of the drinking fountain. But now that I'm saying out loud, or since I met you, it's like, oh, that is pretty ridiculous, isn't it? That it's the Edward Baum Memorial Drinking Fountain. Yeah, very strange. Pretty strange. Yeah. I guess if I were to name something after me, it would be like the swing set. Or like That's the slide, one. like name yeah. the slide after. I think a lot of people wouldn't mind if they had a building named after them. Well, I think, but there are so many buildings that, like Carnegie Mellon. I'm sure Andrew Carnegie appreciates the fact that there's a giant university named after him that I'm sure he contributed to founding, or like the Rockefeller Center. But how many people have buildings named after them that no one remembers their names? For heaven's sakes, Harris Hall at IMSA. It's just O one. Does anyone know who Harris is that we named Harris Hall for? Blank, blank. No, no, no. It's no, just, no. it's just 1501. Yeah, which is sort of the ridiculous of naming something that already has a name. Like if you name, right. if you name something new, then people will get used to calling it the Troop Pond or whatever. But if it's just the Turtle Pond, so do you, yeah. do you refer to the Sears Tower as the Willis? God no, no it's, it's just like, Sears Tower. Just, just Sears like Tower. it's Marshall Field. It's not Macy's. Uh-huh. It's Marshall Field. It's Wrigley Field. If they ever try to rename Wrigley Field, because they, it, it's not even the Tribune Company that owns it anymore, is it? It's the no, it's, it's some the, terrible. It's the Ricketts. Yeah, it's the Ricketts. Yeah. Who, but like if they were like, you know what, we're gonna sell the naming rights to Wrigley Field. Not that they ever would, because it's iconic. But, I mean, like the White Sox stadium has been renamed four times. Do you really want a stadium named Guaranteed Rate? I, um, I want to be like, that company has enough money yeah. to name a field after them, and they went with guaranteed weight? I used to work for that company, yeah, and it's it's a pretty aggressive company as far as branding goes. And I just, I want to be like, don't you have better things to spend your money on? Or, if you're going to go for naming rights, why not name it the totally awesome White Sox baseball stadium? Because nobody's going to give you a huge check to name it that. I would. If I were to give you a huge check, I would do the totally awesome slide. You see, by Katrina Herman. See, the way <laughs> business works, Katrina, is if you give somebody <laughs> money expecting a profit in return, and there's not. There's but not there's much no profit. Money. Every time the White Sox play, it, it they legally must call it Guaranteed Rate Field, and right, there no I'd one say, knows what Guaranteed Rate does. Give me some money. I'll. It's a mortgage company. Right, but then it also just, or it just becomes a name, like Wrigley Field. Do you know how long it put me together that Wrigley of With Wrigley Field right. was also Wrigley of Wrigley Chewing Gum? Mm-hmm. Or that, like, Sears Tower was because it was built by the Sears Company? Or the Virgin Mary was called that because she was a virgin when she had Jesus? I, I honestly thought that was just one. Like, <laughs> that last one. That's not like the idea. No, it's just a title. That's what I'm saying is that when I was a kid, I didn't put together that the first part of the name meant something different. You thought she was named after the airline. Yeah, some no, students think I my, honestly my, name is, just, my first name is Professor. <laughs> like, I swear. I was like, I think I was like 12 and I was like, oh, that's why she's called the Virgin Mary. If, if your first name was Professor, man, your dad was really ahead of the game. 
<laughs> or just yeah, very the, the middle name is Esau. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have always kind of wanted a building named after me though. Yeah, the Hall Tower. Hall Hall. The Hall Hall. Yeah. And when I was interested in architecture, which I was really into, um, thinking about that as a career. I still think of you as an architect a little bit. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you. Um, but Mostly I was because always, I met you when you were sixteen. True. And I, I always kind of wanted to become a professor of architecture and still get a building named after me, because I would it would be Professor Hall's class on halls and hall hall, which I always thought would be kind of cool, but that's that's now several layers away from where my life has taken me. Because yeah. I still always thought it'd be kind of cool. I guess I do want to start the Herman Academy of Heroes, and then I would find another A at the end of that, so it could be ha ha, like. So I guess I do want to call it the Herman something. The Herman Academy of Heroes Association. Oh, that's good. Yeah, when I start my academy, we'll call it that. Ha ha. And we'll be the Kraken and the Sea Cows. We're going to have two mascots. Kraken. The Kraken. Wow. And the I was, Sea Cows. I was more along the lines of Sea Cows. Wow, okay. Not manatees. Sea Cows. Sea Cows. The gentle clowns of the sea versus yes. krakens. I krakens. Think, I think I know who'd win. I don't know if <laughs> yeah. I, if we're going to be competitive. I'm not sure if I want to be on that. Well, it's like when you get sea sorted cows. into houses, you'll be sorted into the kraken. Is the sea cow technically all manatees? So they are. They yeah, they are. Oh, okay. I was going to say, for the answer, you go to Katrina. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they are. <laughs> the same thing. Yeah, I think sea cows are just like the nickname. Got it. Yeah. I'm there. I'm with you. Is, I'm almost afraid to ask. Is there a reason why we have Krakens versus They're not versus. Guys? They're just like those are the... Well, because I couldn't decide between the two. They're both awesome. So can the math have just be a sea cow with like a Kraken attached to its head? No! Like, like, <laughs> you, I ought to... Like, because we're going to be sort... Right? You come in and then you'd be sorted into like heroes or sidekicks. So if you're a sidekick, your mascot is the sea cow. But if you're a hero, your sidekick is the Kraken. But they need each other, right? Oh, like psychic, heroes need sidekicks, and psychic sidekicks need heroes. Manatees. Now I understand. Psychic manatees, you saw. I am so lost. <laughs> what does one teach in, in Academy for Heroes? Well, the you hero have to within. learn carpentry, <laughs> carpentry weapons. Uh, there'll be an endurance class. You have to learn about nutrition. Um, there'll be weightlifting so that we learn how to have a proper body. And then, of course, there's all the weapons. And then there's strategy. And you have to learn diplomacy because, as we learned from the last Star Wars, Film discretion is the better part of valor. I mean, that's what we learned. And also gardening, because you have to learn how to feed yourself. And hunting, we're going to learn that. And also, you know, some math and science and music, because sometimes it's really important to be traveling bard. And literature. And languages. So... And this, event planning. This is basically, like, the, the academy that History. they had back in ancient Greece for men who had rights. Yes, except it's going to be for all people. With gardening. <laughs> yeah. It's important to know. It's actually, you guys, you don't understand how much it upsets me that the apocalypse will come and I will be unable to feed myself. I also worry about how many pens and pencils I will have for the post-apocalyptic society. Kid you not, these are my concerns. Food, pens and pencils. Are you afraid you're going to run out of ink? What about paper? And pencils. I like to use... Quick mechanical pencils. But, like, I don't... Oh, 
where am I going to find, like, you can't just, like, go out and grow a pencil. It, that like, is, requires, like, four different types of sources, resources. posh concern when the apocalypse comes. Yeah. I don't have enough mechanical pencils. I'm pretty sure you'll just have to mix ash with some water. Right, but, like, I don't even know how to do that. I'm not going to be able to grow carrots. Mix ash with some water. It's really but then what What am I going to use to, like, I'm going to use a twig? I'm going to have to go yeah. back to quills? Yeah. What is this world? I'm going to have to quills. I, I've never been good at the pen and ink writing. I just, it's the scratching on the paper. What makes you terrible. think that there's going to be an apocalypse? Hawaii. Have you seen <laughs> <Of recent days. laughs> our country in the last year? I, I feel I like have. it's coming sooner rather than later. I mean, I, There's going to be a revolution, and then we're going to run out of power, and then people aren't... Did you read Station Eleven? We are this close to a biomedical disaster. I mean, I, I understand that these are all concerns. Valid. Concerns. Yeah, these are all concerns. Not sure they're at the apocalyptic level. I mean, right, but I like to think in large terms. Okay, all right. I don't really do well with, like, tiny Which is things. why you're concerned about pencils. Yes! I mean, you can always move to Canada. Okay, I've looked into it. First of all, I have a friend that tried to move to Canada. It's very expensive to move to Canada. You have to apply for a specific type of visa. Who knows if they will let you in? You have to have, when you apply for said visa, you have to have proof that you can support yourself for like 18 months without drawing on the social blah, 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 welfare, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and then people are like, oh, well, you can go to other places. Like other countries want you. And I'm like, I don't have the skills that other countries want. I've looked. They want engineers. No one is like, theatrical stage manager, we have a visa for you. So perhaps a better academy is the Academy of Acquiring the Skills to Move to Canada. Okay, well... Herman's, Herman's Academy for Canadian... No, Herman's... Haka? Ha, 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 uh, <laughs> hakas. No! Like, I mean, all guys, all of this is a pipe dream, because the academy is going to be in the castle... That I will never be able to afford because a castle costs like two hundred million dollars. And not right now, I'm not even sure that I can pay for a wedding slash buy a house. To buy a castle in Italy. Slash afford a child. He's saying, do you want to live outside of the United States ever? I'd be up for it if the conditions were right. No, I'm not particularly attached to this country. I really want Canada to invade Chicago I and claim it as its own. After all. I know. When you said you were going to China, are you visiting family? Yes. Uh-huh. Also for work. Okay. Makeshift Academy of Canadian Hermans. Mock. Been working on that since you said that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, keep, we'll keep working on it. Yeah. Come back to me. Yeah. I'm going to keep working on it. Anyway, this is the other problem keep, being at the You keep talking here. about you in China. I'm going to keep working on the acronym. Okay. Yeah. Okay, and then there's a conference also in China? No, I'm just going to try to get some money from some other sources outside of the United States. I fully support you. Yeah. I did not know that this funding issue was so great in academia. I had no idea that your industry had some similarities to my industry. Oh, uh, I mean, this is, this is, if you talk to any professor, this is basically the... So it's kind of like life. being a politician. You, like... Go to meetings and then you spend time. Raising oh yeah, money. I do. I do find it. I do sometimes see the irony of, you know, 
tailoring your story in a way that it's appealing to certain types of funding sources. And I, I understand better than most, I think, what, what, what politicians have to deal with. Um, although I yeah. think the, I think what politicians have to deal with is way more extreme than what I have to deal with. Sure. By, by several orders of magnitude. But I do understand what it's like. Would you ever want to run for public office? Uh, no. Okay. I don't think so. Maybe I'll change my mind in the future, but not right now. All right. Lance, no. would you run for public office? I'd run for public office, you know. Megan? No. All right. When Lance moves back to Chicago and runs for public office, I will be your chief of staff. Because you've thought about running for public office, right? I have. I have gone so far as to Googling what offices I could run for and finding out how much aldermans make. It's a lot of money. It is a lot of money. (laughs) It is like three times what I make right now. It's quite a bit of money. It's easily Googleable. Yeah. Yeah. What dissuaded you from deciding? I'm not electable. You've You've heard me on this podcast. What makes you think that I have the wherewithal to make a public speech without stumbling over my words or saying something that the press would then take and run with? Again, do we really think that my concern over pencils in the apocalypse is going to play well in the media? Did you know that Donald Trump is president of the United States? <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there. I mean, well, let's also keep in mind that I am hamstrung by the fact that I am a woman. Let's also keep in mind the fact that I don't actually know enough. Like, my heart is in the right place, and I could learn but I don't actually know enough about the issues Did you know of Donald Chicago Trump is president? to campaign effectively and, campaign and convince is a, people. Is a, is a different ball of wax. Yeah, like this is why I don't think I'm electable. I think you make me your chief of staff, you get a lot done. If anything, I schedule you for a lot of meetings. <laughs> I'm really good at that. You make a good politician. <laughs> <laughs> Just, hey, I can show up to the meetings that Katrina schedules. I can do that. Right. So all we got to do is get laid. And well, but that's one more white man in office. No offense. I love you. No, like, no offense taken. It's like we've got a lot of we've got a lot of white guys. I'm I'm really tired of seeing white guys, or just white guys. White guys with the same exact policies. Like, yeah. 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 Do you think being a professor has made you more of an extrovert? Ah, interesting. It depends, a good question. it depends on your definition. Ooh, wait, of, did you uh, identify as an introvert to begin with? I still am an introvert. Why am I friends with all the introverts? How do I do that? Because Katrina, let me tell you a story. <laughs> let me tell you about the high school you came <laughs> And just dovetailing into that, let me tell you about our wedding. At our wedding reception, people came up to me and said, "Wow, your imps of friends love to have a good time," and I was like. That's Katrina Herman <laughs> leading the gang. Like I did in in his defense, I did drag all of his groomsmen out to dance with me. And not all of his groomsmen are extroverts. Some of them are awkward <laughs> men. Awkward groups. <laughs> <laughs> and that is my specialty. Forget, forget the extrovert introvert <laughs> dichotomy. Awkwards. Yeah. And I specialize particularly at wedding receptions. I specialize in finding the awkward men and befriending them. All right. I'm sorry you didn't get to appreciate me Um, doing that at your wedding reception. Everybody, (laughs) probably for the best. Everybody at our wedding had such a great time. They're like, "Wow, oh good, loved the party." And it was no, you (laughs) definitely you livened up the party. It was awesome. I'd like to point out I was sober the whole time. I didn't drink anything but lemonade that whole night. (laughs) Could I comment on the lemonade, Megan? It was delicious. It was, it was delicious lemonade. I thought there was going to be a 
Because that was your that was your what? Your baby. You wanted a lemonade stand at our wedding. Anyway. There was a lemonade stand at our mm-hmm. wedding. And it was very good. Okay, we've established that. <laughs> Again, podcast gold is that. Wait, but we there was an actual right. Extrovert. Has being a professor made you more of an extrovert? Oh, that's a good question. Maybe a little, not much. Okay. Are you still doing acapella? No. Do you want to? Yes. Do you like? Do, how does that work? Do you like start your own professor acapella group? Are you allowed to join a student acapella group? <laughs> Are do any like, of the professor, the other twenty-two professors? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he could branch out. I'm sure the theater and music staff want to sing in a chorus. I don't know that I would pursue that hobby within the confines of this institute. But, okay, so this is my question. This is what's hard to be an adult. Is like, where do you find that as a hobby outside of your profession? You just Google it. You just Google it. Yeah. Is this the answer for everything? Yeah, for example, I'm scoping out a choir this Saturday. Ooh. Do they have auditions or do you just join? Uh, They do have an audition. Uh, I mean, I'm scoping out their performance, which is this Saturday. Right. It's the Pasadena Master Chorale. Ooh. so they're having a performance this mm-hmm. Saturday, mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm going to check them out. They do have an audition process, so mm-hmm. I may check them. I may audition. I haven't decided yet. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of the Society for the Preservation of Barbershop Quartet Singing in America? No. It, it's the best acronym ever. It's, it's Stepsqua. Nice. Yeah, it's great. Uh, your grandfather. Yeah, my grandfather is a member, right? I actually there was a person in Princeton who was encouraging me to join. Spab squad, and he was like, well, if you don't get into IMSA and do that whole thing, you come join Spab Squad, won't you? And I was like, yeah, okay. And I got into IMSA. And so yeah, but the barbershop basically is prejudiced against people with lower voices. Against? Most of the pieces are... You know, that's that's true, because like, once you have a bass... It's no longer barbershop. Well, I... Oh, I guess so. But don't you need a bass? You like, need, it's standard soprano, bass. alto, tenor, bass. You need, you need a guy who can go pretty high, or falsetto, yeah. Right, like, the, but that's the that's the standard arrangement. Wait, do you sing bass? Is that why you're concerned? I do sing bass, <laughs> yeah. Yes. You can tell from our sultry, manly voices. You have a very low-speaking voice. Though. I do. I didn't know if you sound with a bass or anything. I am a bass. That makes sense. Listening to you. So, barbershop. No. It's cool, you know. Sounds like the song is not looking for a side hustle as a Dapper Dan in Disneyland. Sounds like that is not a career path for you. No. Do you know, do you know how tiring it is to work at Disneyland? No. Or in general? Because I used to work at a theme park. Which one? Six Flags Great America. That's right! There was one summer you worked there. Two summers. Two summers. This was before you sold cut through knives. Uh, in parallel. Oh, that summer. That was a very exhausting summer. I had three jobs. Right. I remember hearing about this. I was a door-to-door knife salesman. Mm-hmm. I worked at a theme park, and I was a web developer. Wow. But you miss coding. You don't get to do that anymore. Uh, correct. I, that, that was that was that was when, like that was like sixteen years ago. Well, yeah, yeah, but you just said like an hour ago that you miss coding. HTML's changed a little bit since. Yeah. Also true. Yeah. That's true. Yes. Anyways, I know how exhausting it is to work at a theme park. Right. See, whereas this is my dream, I feel like I would be really good at working for a theme park. You know, you just, you, you just might be. <laughs> <laughs> I 
it, it might not be in the cards for me, but you know, don't count yourself out too early. You can tell it's exhausting working at a theme park because whenever they try and make announcements at a theme park, it's always give your hand and change your hand at all times, and that's and that's all you would hear because that guy's exhausted. Well, what do you do there? Uh, I was operating a virtual reality gaming station. And the majority, As one does. <laughs> the majority of my job was making sure the little kids didn't break anything. I mean, that sounds like that a is job. That sounds a exact thing. No. See, whereas I would want to be part of entertainment. The problem right. is the only theme park near Chicago is Great America. That's right. I live right next door. Basically. Yeah, whereas that's... Beautiful downtown Gurney, Illinois. Gurney, right. Illinois. Yeah. I would love to work for Disney in a theme park, but then I'd have to move to either Los Angeles or Orlando. Or Paris, or Hong Kong, Shanghai. You know what? I, first of all, I have a boyfriend who doesn't want to live in any of those places. And secondly, I don't speak good enough French to move to Paris. And I really just want to live in Chicago. Okay. Well, then just have to convince the Walt Disney Company to open a theme park in Chicago. Yeah. Or. Disney Midwest. That could work. Yeah. They would hate it. No. They, I mean, the, the reason it's in L.A. and Florida is the weather, so it can be open. Yeah, but Branson is Branson. a thing. I mean, it's Branson. Maybe a right, but Branson is a different thing. Yes, but it's still Have a you thing. Has everyone been to Branson, at oh, least no. in this room, but maybe not oh, listening no. to the podcast? No. You've never been to Branson? Why would I go to Branson? I don't know, because your aunts invited you on a girls' weekend, and so you went? Pretty sure that didn't happen. <laughs> I'm pretty, pretty sure that story wouldn't happen to me. I went to Antiqua Lodge. I'm pretty sure Lance, you need to shave, do it really, really well, but that's being acceptable. I shave three or four times a day for that time. I went to Branson, and we didn't even go mini golfing. It was rough. I'm sorry, I don't know what Branson is. It's like... <laughs> I'm sorry. For the, for the honkies in the room, all of that conversation made total sense. So but for those of us in the room who aren't honkies... It's the like Ozarks, funny. but it's like the tourist version of the Ozarks. Wait, Wait, where's Dollywood? That isn't... Oh, it is. No, that's no? where Memphis is. Oh, Graceland. Where's Dollywood? I thought it was Tennessee, too. Okay. Is it? No, but I'm, where's Dolly Parton from? I'm going to Google that. You this is why we need Branson. Google Monkey. You talk about Branson. Uh, I left Google Monkey back in Chicago. Anyway, Branson, so it's like, I don't know. It's hard. To, it's kind of seen as like the, there are no good words that will not offend anyone to describe I'm not offended. Missouri. It's, it's a lot of antiquing. It's a lot of kind of, it's, it's family friendly. It's Christian and it's a lot of country, oh. but in the Ozarks of Missouri. So it's like beautiful mountains, but also like, I think their big thing is like the silver dollar ride where you like watch a horse show, like a country horse show. Is Branson a city? Yes. It is. Oh, okay. It's it like, is. it's a country music getaway. It is the Disneyland of country music. But I see like, so people are, people are, are in like character. Well, well when they're on sure. stage, I see. yeah. I see. So you, and then there's like, I mean, it's like the Vegas of the Midwest. That's a good word for it. It's it's like Vegas, but like Christian and no gambling. Yeah, but not all not all, all of us Midwesters are into country music. So, so it's just shows. Yes. Yeah. So there's shows uh -huh. and a lot of antiquing. And I didn't know about the antiquing. Mini golf I, that I didn't get to play. I wouldn't mind the antiquing. There was a lot of antiquing. I like antiquing. We didn't get to see any shows, and we didn't get to go antiquing. Or that's this, really all we did. No your, mini golf, no ships. Your girls' weekend doesn't sound fun at all. It was me and four middle-aged women 
and I tried to convince them why we should raise the minimum wage. It did not go well. <laughs> well, that was always a, you know, I tried. I tried so hard topic. to be. I'm known as, like, the liberal of the family. My brother and I are the two liberals, and my brother doesn't even consider himself liberal. He's just living in a democratic socialist country. But I'm, like, the liberal. Where is he living? He's in Germany. Germany. I see. But he's going to move back to the U.S. But he's been living in Germany for a year and a half. I see. So, but yeah, we're, like... He's going to move back and be like, oh, I have to pay for health care. Yeah. Yeah. And he, you know, the weather's worse, and he can't... Right, his bike everywhere. Yeah. Well, I mean, he can't. But... Well, he's gonna move to Boston. So. Well, that's where he became an adult, because he went to IMSA, and then <laughs> and then he went to college at Olin, which is outside of Boston, and then he just stayed in Boston until he moved to Germany, like mm-hmm. that. In the same way that I went so to college you in Chicago. And you're still living with IMSA. Yeah. Is that true of you? Ethan? No, no. My my sister uh, has a normal life. <laughs> what does she do? She is a uh, marketing person uh, for the Chronicle of Higher Education, and she works in Washington, D.C. Oh, wow. Did you ever try to sell her on the idea of going in? No. No. Really? No. And her, did your parents pressure her? I would not know. That's between them. Okay. okay I stay that's out fair. of that. That's fair. Would you ever send your children to Emsa? You know, that's a great question. I don't know. Would you send your children, future children, to uh, Yes, I am part of the reason that I am attached to living in Illinois is I want my children to have the opportunity to go to IMSA. They don't have to go. They will have to apply. But they don't have to go. What about you, Lance? you want them to go there? If they want to, yeah. Um, I mean, IMSA is the kind of thing where um, it made a lot of sense for me to go IMSA, mostly because in Princeton, I was always just the weirdo and IMSA was the first place I ever found people like me. IMSA was the first place I was ever like embraced. Yeah. Uh, I mean for somebody like you, like you had friends at Streeter High School. <laughs> so I mean you're fairly intelligent enough to have gone to IMSA and I mean you would have flourished there, but you had a life that was normal at Streeter and I didn't I didn't have anybody I was particularly close. I had friends I hung out with, but I, I wanted to go to IMSA. As soon as I found out about the idea of IMSA, I was like, I have to be there. I have to know more about this. And it made a lot of sense for me. So, I mean, I, you know, if, you know, we had kids in Illinois, I would certainly tell them about it. I would certainly want them to know it was there. Mm-hmm. But if they were like, mm, and I, I don't think I'd push it very hard at all. I would push it really hard. But... I, I would under first of all I would understand if they don't want to go because they'll be growing up in the suburbs and or Chicago proper as opposed to Western Central Illinois where three of us in this room grew up. Um, but also there are a lot of changes since we went to IMSA. IMSA There's a lot of changes place, in the yeah. res life policies that yeah. I'm like I don't know that that's as rewarding. Yeah. Now because it was it was the first place I had friends and. I lived with you guys, mm-hmm. and now, I mean, it seems like it's much more of a commuter mm-hmm. school. Well, I, I think it's... For weekends. For weekends, but also, they're much stricter about... I mean, I guess every every class looks back and is like, it's so much stricter. Like, I'm sure that... Yeah. What, what do we call it? To the charter class? And they're like, <laughs> I'm sure they look back at us, and they're like, you had no privileges whatsoever! And yeah. we're like, 
we was fine. They were sleeping in the sleeping in the TV pit. And, yeah, and but like I went back and asked the students, and they were like, "Yeah, no, it's totally worth it." And I was like, "Even with all these red light things," and they're like, "Yeah," and I'm like, "Okay, I guess if you're 14 and don't know another life." What well, right? And I'm sure it's rewarding, even though you know it's changed a lot since we were there. But yeah. Yeah, but the teachers, I'm sure, are still quality. Kylie is still there. Mm. That would be hilarious if Kylie taught my children. I left a I last time I was there. I left a post-it note. I didn't get a chance to see him, but I just left a post-it note in the store that said, "Mine's always here." <laughs> so I don't know what he did with that. He probably looked at that and said, <laughs> "That was it." That's true. And grunted. <laughs> and, and and grunted. Yeah. Would you ever move back to Illinois, Lisa? I have no plans to. I don't blame you. Things can always change. I don't plan too far ahead, but I have no plan to. I am pretty set on LA. All right. Yeah. You like California, California in general. Well, Do you, you surf? Know. Ha! That's a great question. I tried surfing. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. But then what do you do? You said you don't play basketball very much anymore. What do I do? I yeah, work. Like, well, yeah, but like, don't you go running? or? I like... run, I hike, I play the piano, I play video games, I, uh, I picked up photography, hey. um, so um, check on my Twitter page. Uh, I, what else do I do? Uh, I, I really like the observatory here, the Griffith Observatory, so they have a lot of programs. Um, they have what's called a star party, where the really geeky astronomy club bring all of their giant toys, and you can go see a close-up of Saturn. Wow. Or as close-up as you can get from Earth. Right. Um, so there's a lot of things to do. Right. I go to the beach. Right? You yeah. said you like reading at the yeah. beach? Yeah, I become like a beach bomb sometimes. Okay. Um, Every once a month, I pretend I'm a beach bomb. Um, yeah, there's lots to do. Okay. That's um, fair. I read a lot. Um. What, do you read fiction or mostly nonfiction? Uh, these days, mostly nonfiction, although um, I am reading Never Let Me Go. Who wrote that? Uh, you know, I, I have trouble pronouncing the name. Uh, it's the, um, the Japanese-British uh, author who recently won the uh, oh, right. Nobel Prize. In oh, yeah. Some guy who returns of the day, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't Kazuo know. Kazuo Ishigara, I believe, is his name. Oh, right. okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. So I spoke to I'll add that to my list. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, lots to do. Yeah. yeah. Great. Great. It has, guys, We this is one of our longest podcasts. We've made it to one hour and 22 minutes. Oh, my. Yeah. Should we wrap it up? Sure. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. Do you All want right. to, we have a special guest here. Hmm. Do you want to talk about what you do? Because you sung with the, the start of the episode, but we shouldn't have you. <laughs> you know, Dr. Rex's Hall. Well, I would be a poor husband if I didn't say, by the way, my wife does some pretty amazing work herself. So I'm a postdoc at USC, so it's the University of Southern California. And we do biomedical research making engineered tissues um, to study ALS and muscular dystrophy. So... Um, it's been really rewarding work, I think. <laughs> yeah. We're in a room with two people changing the world. Yeah. Four people changing the world. Uh, you and I are changing it in our own in our own ways. That might be the topic of another podcast. Well, that's, that's the reason you and I signed up to train as artists, because we wanted to change the world. Wasn't yeah, it? I, no, I really just wanted to work on musicals. 
Okay. I really like spectacles. This is what I happen to be good at. You know, not everyone who's <laughs> changing the world set out to change the world. No, that's true. Or even like, wanted to. I, have, I now have a huge philosophical, but this, like, I think that you know, covers another podcast. Donald Trump has changed the world. Yeah. <sighs> okay, you, on that note. Did you know Donald Trump was president? Thanks. Thanks, Lance, for that reminder. Oh, it's always a good way to end a podcast. Yeah. With, oh, there's a tiny orange finger just a short ways away from that big red button. Yeah, you want to play the ukulele plays out? Yeah, sure, I'll play the three chords I can remember offhand. Sweet. I'll snap. I don't know why that G7 is so out of tune. Do you? No. I don't either. Wow, I just accept it. The E minor is really out of tune. I just... Look, you're the one that tuned it. Don't put this back on me.